0: The, the, the bottom line is that, you know, I said to the guys as well if ever I cannot learn from somebody something, I take my wings, I hang them up, go sit at the stoop and have a beer, and look at the sunset. Because mm-hmm. even, even the young people as well, they got something that they can give to you as a guy with 22,000 hours. They have. And I've proven it so many times. And, and it's, it's, it's just the bottom line is that it's a learning curve that you're going to have the rest of your life, doesn't matter how, what you fly and how you fly and how long you've been flying.
1: Today, I'm talking to airline pilot, Captain Rian van Hello, Rian. Uh, how Maybe does
0: that sound? That sounds no. better.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom.
0: Yeah, likewise. I was quite surprised to get a, a, get a request from your side there, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so interested in all the, well, I'm, I'm discovering all the different forms of art. Um, I've started, I've started with a, with a more, um, how can I say, you know, the things that we assume or just accept as a form of art and that's music and, and, you know, and then I discovered, but, you know, cooking and baking and, and, Flying and you know, all sorts of things in this world.
0: Oh, there's a lot of things. I went to the profile in your profile and I'm actually quite shocked with the people that you spoke to as well. Quite interesting yeah. over there as well.
1: Yeah, Now, it's uh, for me it's all these discoveries that I'm making, um and I think we we've maybe realized also over the lockdown period how interlinked we all are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you guys, you pilots uh, as well. It's, uh, you know, I, I just discovered you flying all the artists over the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I would imagine that the lockdown actually hit the aviation industry very, very hard worldwide, to be quite yeah. honest. So, yeah, and I've got friends all over. and um, And unfortunately, some of them actually had to leave aviation in total. And quite competent people as well. But unfortunately, at the time that it did happen, it basically meant that we didn't know how long it was going on. And then obviously, uh, so companies was also getting to a point where they said to the guys, okay, listen, you can take unpaid leave or whatever the situation might be. And then uh, as the COVID went past, the slowly some of them were called back, but some of them also opted to take other careers and said, well, that's, we call it the end of the day for aviation, not that they want to, but they are forced to do that.
1: Yeah. But this is very interesting for me because I think your careers are also something that you almost you know if if I can explain it like this if you talk to a a musician or a ballet dancer they usually say oh you know at the age of five I discovered that I wanted to dance or something and and pilots seem to have that same sort of um, path you know that from a young age they are very intrigued or they they have this passion for aviation and then that goes into
0: a career. Yeah. What, what we found as well, because I've been nearly 25 years in the airline industry, so and also involved to the South African Air Force for in October, it will be 40 years. But mm-hmm. uh, we, we also found that um, the people that actually get somewhere in aviation are people that has got a passion for the for the for the flying aspect for aviation. And, um, and we also saw that on the onchaps coming through the system as well, is that um, if they do not have that passion, if they do not have that discipline to uh, get somewhere in aviation, and I mean, it's not always about the money issue, but it's also that extra step that you go towards the passion that you have for aviation, then it becomes a problem if they do not have that purely for the reason is that <clears throat> they, they, they are willing to give that extra couple of steps forward where the normal guy just sees as aviation or a pilot being a fancy kilometers job or whatever the situation might be. And that shows, unfortunately, even on the interviews as well, Mm-hmm. Uh, that we that we have with the with the young guys coming into the airline and stuff like that, so you you tend to pick that up very clearly because uh, all we on the interview for arguments like we're trying to find out he wants to be a pilot does he know his environment does he know in what environment this is he operating at um, what is his passion towards that environment so all those kind of things that also adds up to to um, do that situation. And uh, sometimes you get nice and clever people, but unfortunately the passion comes short. So that's the unfortunate part of it. So yeah, but uh, yeah.
1: Because it's also a long, um, it's also a long period of time where you have to build up the hours and it's not something that you, you can just, uh, I mean, you can learn to fly, but, it's not, but by that time where you want to be in your career, it takes very long hours and, and a lot of years before you reach that.
0: Oh, yes. Peter, what, what normally happens is that um, in, in aviation, a guy's going to have at least about 200 hours. to be able to have a commercial pilot license to be employable. But the problem is that when he comes, he's in a catch-22 situation because now he's got the 200 hours, he's got his commercial pilot license. You can employ him as a a pilot, but the problem is he hasn't got experience. You can't employ him. So if you can't employ him, how is he going to get experience? So now this, these guys tend to go on to the instruction phase of things and they go get the instructor's rating. They go to a flight school and they give instruction, which is also good, but it's low-experience pilots that actually starts giving instruction. Mm-hmm. That's the bad part of it as well. Some of them are actually very good in it, even with low time as well. But then um, they they tend to build hours that way around. And um, normally when they get to 1,000, 1,500 hours so, then They become employable uh, by 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 the companies as well, and 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 how they pick up experiences also, they tend to go on contract as soon as they got their commercial pilot license. And then go. it's not the best conditions that they're flying in, but they are operating on an aircraft, which is which is nice to build that kind of experience to get into the airline because that that nine hundred ten times is the ultimate goal that these young pilots have is to end up in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in aviation flying a big uh, aeroplanes.
1: But it's also a very expensive um, <laughs> uh, thing to do, or, or the training is very expensive, isn't
0: it? It's, um, I normally, my advice normally to uh, people that comes out of uh, school and they want to go flying, it's an enormous lot of money. You're quite rightfully. So even more so nowadays with the fuel that, uh, expensive fuels and stuff like that. So an aeroplane that cost me 1977, 18 rand an hour equivalent, I don't know what it's going to be in euros there, but now it's about two and a half to three, three and a half thousand rand an hour. So it's an enormous jump that you have as well. So my advice normally to these young guys coming out and they want to go aviate is listen, do yourself a favor, take that money, go study at a university somewhere, go study something that you can fall back onto because we're also running in a risk that we can lose our medical. So by losing our medical, we can lose our license, then we can't operate. And then you spend hundreds of thousands of rand to get your license and having done so, now you've got nothing to fall back on. And the fact is you can always you can always study, get a qualification, and you can always fly afterwards. Nothing stops you from that. But to have it the other way around, that becomes difficult. I mean, you're going to be flying, and eventually you're going to be so de- the busy with the flying and the aviation, wherever you are, that you're not going to be in a position to um, to go to university and pay attention to your studies, for that matter. Or f- for that matter, so it makes it difficult. So the advice would be normally is listen, go study, yeah. qualify yourself in in something that you can fall back onto, or mm-hmm. go <clears throat> excuse me, go somewhere else in the in the world, mm-hmm. and then and then get into the flying aspect um, because yeah, I mean even if you study seven years it take it, it could take you 2 years 3 years to actually get your commercial pilot license hopefully you've got the money for that because that's normally the big restriction on any aviation career
1: so in south africa do you you can't go to a company say for example south african airways and get trained by them do you have to be trained before you even arrive there
0: yeah, the, the South African Airways used to have a cadet scheme um, that uh, they would put a guy through a selection process. And having done so, he qualifies eventually for the cadet scheme and then they send him to a flight school to get certain uh, level of flying experience. And then he gets drawn into the airline environment and we gains more experience and uh, uh, but that does is not, is not exist anymore because SA is just mm-hmm. non-existent at the moment. Uh, the only one that is existent, SA, is back in version two now. But the Gadet scheme is, is not is not is not running anymore. So, so yes, there there is options that that was there in the past whereby guys could have got uh, I could say subsidised maybe. to Mm -hmm. to do a a certain training and get up to a certain standard. But what happens there is that the guys doing, um, when they get into that, they normally sign what they call a training bond. Mm -hmm. So if uh, they do a a costing on to say, listen, this is how much that training is going to cost you. Uh, If you sign up, we'll train you. We'll put you through the system and get you qualified. But it basically means that at the later stage, you might have to work that back for a certain period of time. Should you leave the company before that time, um, they have a, there's a calculation that they can actually um, uh, apply whereby you're going to pay some of that money now back. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. But, um, but tell me, how did you start
0: in, uh, applying? <laughs> what was
1: your... Oh, were you also at a young age, a young boy? You know, better I,
0: I, started, I started flying in 1977. It mm-hmm. puts me about 45 years in aviation at the moment. And those days, um, relatively, it was also quite expensive. I had to carry my own uh, flying uh, cost that, at that stage. I didn't even do the bookkeeping for the flying club. And the accounting to uh, to to be able to get credit and uh, use that on my flying as well. So I was very fortunate um, in the sense of that I managed to end up with the South African Air Force reserves, which basically says uh, that that I could gain more experience there. So um, and then uh, that was in 1982. I got my Air Force wings in 1988 and uh, in the meantime that uh, you you sort of every time there's a opportunity to fly you will get your backside into that aeroplane and you will build yeah. the hours that way out it was a lot easier there was a lot easier those days as well because um one of the uh, uh situations we had um, the guys would do parachuting drum jumping mm-hmm. or you would uh, do tugging as well then you would Say fine. Listen, um, I can ju- I can take you up, and you can jump on the airplane. And it's not very legal in the senses that you don't have a commercial pilot's license. But once again, is everybody does it and does it in a safe manner in the sense to 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 gain uh, gain experience? Because the problem is that you have got to have about forty forty five hours to get your private pilot's license. You are not supposed to be, or you cannot work f- or do pilot work. To uh, to get a reward, not even money, just a reward. Mm-hmm. So you got to build up your own hours um, in a certain format, up till about two hundred hours. Do certain subjects at the civil aviation authorities, and only then do your flight test on a commercial on a commercial basis yeah. to mm-hmm. to gain the license. But yeah, uh, it, it 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 was a lengthy road for me as my world because I didn't expect to be flying full time uh, whatsoever. I didn't. I had a lot of yeah. I had quite a bit of a passion for flying, Um so much so that um, uh, I was very really scared for doing spinning in an aeroplane. Um, in other words, you take the aeroplane and you basically spin it and you've got to recover out of it just for practical purposes that if you do end up in that situation, that you can recover from it. Now, I did it perfectly with my instructor, but I was too scared to do it by myself.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I did an aerobatic, uh, aerobatic course, uh, which was about five hours. And uh, the weekend that was coming up, they had a bit of a competition going. And uh, my instructor said to me, listen, um okay, if you can do a certain maneuvers which includes a spin, I'll rate you and then if you if I give you at least about four or five out of ten, you can I'll sign you out as an aerobatic pilot and you can participate in the competition. That was oh. my first, <laughs> that was my first solo spin. <laughs> wow <laughs> so that was that was also really nicely done I um, yeah. in, in 1984. I still didn't have my commercial pilot license then. Um, I was just a private pilot, but I uh, entered the Aerobatic Championships And I ended up third in the National Aerobatic Championships In the sportsman class in 1984 A
1: guy who doesn't want to (laughs) spin
0: I got used to that after that But it was It was quite a surprise as well When we got there as well I'm glad I did it But unfortunately, you know Thereafter, um, I had friends that uh, Lost their lives in in accidents And simply I got a bit scared So Mm -hmm. I was glad I did it um, very fortunate to be able to do it, but then I stopped, and I thought, okay, fine, let me just carry on with the normal flying, and then that stage I was obviously with the South African Air Force Reserve Squadron, and uh, the advanced flying part was more attracted, more attractive to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's where I started the Air Force um, part of it. Um, nowadays I'm. Officer commanding of 110 Squadron in Cape Town uh, since 2007, but yeah, that was quite a quite a move on the on the on the aviation since then, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and then did you um did you stay? Well, so you say you're still in the Air Force then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we part of the reserve squadron at the moment. We're not very active at the moment because obviously of, of uh, budget constraints that the Air Force has got in South Africa at the moment. But um, we're very much still uh, still on the books, as I say. And mm-hmm. the, the Air Force flying that we're doing is basically with civilian aeroplanes, but in a military capacity. And that's mostly um, transport of, of, um, of personnel uh, that we did. In the, mm-hmm. in the past, we used to go up to the border and we used to do some communication flights there, in other words, transporting um, personnel in between uh, Air Force bases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. the moment, we're very quiet. We, we basically, you can nearly call it inactive for the time due to the budget constraints that we have.
1: Okay but I read on on LinkedIn that you you wrote you you came out of retirement and started flying again so so how did that happen
0: but, uh, I was I was as flabbergasted as 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 uh, as you can probably get it because I retired um in April 2020 I did my last flight on the 22nd of March still giving instruction to a new captain and never actually knew that that was going to be my last flight. And then COVID came in, and um, I was on a second extended retirement contract with the company already. I've been there nearly 25, 24 years. Or so. so I thought, well, okay, that is about the end of it. So uh, I was in retirement for about two years and got myself involved with the Cape Town Flying Club, whereby I started giving instruction. I didn't want to fly the small aeroplane anymore. It does not got switches in the roof. It doesn't have two engines either. So <laughs> I, said, I said to the club, okay, what I'll do is I'll give, I'll give the lectures on the school and I'll keep the instructors on the aeroplanes and they can do the yeah. flying, uh, which obviously they do because they, they're getting experience on on aircraft as such. And then with the COVID, I was forced to get into uh, online training. So I had to change all the, the, the theory to eventually, um, put it on, to be able to present it online, which is also a, it's also a difficult environment to, to a medium to, to do instruct on. But yeah. then, um, it was actually nice. I quite enjoyed the retirement, the a bit of a laid back life because uh, we were, we were flying our butts off at the, at the airline because, um. We were also um, very much on the limits of. of um, we always needed pilots just to 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 get the crew levels correct for the for the schedules that we're flying. And, then and other, what
1: airline is that?
0: That's uh, Airlink, and uh, oh, it's, okay. it's at the moment is now the biggest airline. I must I must say with proudness. Uh, really, it, it was nice. So I was I was um, I was training captain with them for probably about. 15 17 years and then uh, the uh, it happened so quickly after the two years I got a call my granddaughter just graduated that same day and I put it onto onto my profile and I got a call from the chief pilot uh, from Airlink, and he said to me uh, and I thought okay why would he call me um maybe just to congratulate me on my granddaughter's education and, yeah. I thought, <laughs> and he said how would you like to come back to come fly? i said oh, wow. well what do you want me to say no I, <laughs> no i said i'm glad and i'll tell you it was such a pleasure look and mm-hmm. i missed the flying very much being in retirement and i miss the people that i work with the pressure not so much but uh, those two part things is 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 actually what I miss quite drastically, quite a lot with the uh, with uh, with not being able to fly, and to being given an opportunity to fly those aeroplanes again now, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is just lovely. I enjoy it. Sometimes I've done four legs. We're supposed to be finishing for the day. Then I wish they would phone me and listen. Can I give you another? <laughs> <day to fly?" laughs> so um, I'm quite chuffed with that. And uh, basically, I yeah. said to the guys, "Look, the thing is." Once again, I'm very, 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 very fortunate, and I go on my knees and say thank you that I still got a flat medical that I can keep up at my age, and uh, being and being called back um, is 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 quite a privilege in the sense is that it does not really happen. As you can see, what the response is on the on the social media, I basically just put it on there to brag about the fact that I got twenty two thousand hours. Yeah, I, I didn't expect the, I didn't expect any feedback like that. <laughs> <laughs> at all. So um, it, was quite, it was quite a transition that we went through as well because I thought to myself, you know, out of being out of the aviation and I mean, the discipline that we have, especially at Airlink, the standards are very, very high to the pilots. They are terribly high. So um, to be in that situation, uh, I got the call on the Thursday, the Friday, some of the paperwork was given to me, Monday, I got the full paperwork. And then the Tuesday and Wednesday, I went up to Jovic to do some recurrent uh, technical training. I was in a flight simulator the Thursday and the Friday. And the week thereafter, I was back online flying full time. Wow. (laughs) So that was, I tell you, that was really, it was such something that I can't explain to you, the feeling that you, excuse me, that you have. Um, And the best of all is the, uh, the instructors that was with me to get you up to standard to do the final line check with us were all my students really and, oh, wow. all my students. and i was quite shocked and every time i said to them yes but uh, what about this what about that they said to me no 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 no, captain you told us that you taught us that so oh, don't okay. change that now you taught us that so that was quite shocking
1: how uh, is that not uh, amazing Oh, and.
0: Uh, and um, my first landing, I'll never forget, I flew with, uh, with also one of my students then. Uh, we landed in Bloemfontein. That was the first landing that I had in the aircraft after more than two years. And it was such a smooth landing, I was thought, okay, hang on, this is the time to brag. I said to him, listen, just check with the, uh, the, the, the control tower, whether we're on the ground or not. <laughs> So that was that was you know, and, and what they call um uh, uh, muscle memory as well. Because I thought to myself, you know, I've got to get into a, quite a sophisticated aeroplane. Okay, I've got a I've got about fourteen thousand hours on the type, and uh, I've given it about three thousand hours instruction on it as well. So. And the, the muscle memory that you get out of a keto is unbelievable because mm-hmm. you, you look at the paperwork and you say, gee, was how in the world am I going to remember all this to get back? And funny enough, and that was the part that I couldn't believe. It was unbelievable. I got into the aircraft and I knew where my hands had to go to do certain procedures in that cockpit. And that was that was unbelievable. That was really, really something.
1: But if you think, I mean, 22,000 hours of flying, um, that must be second nature to you. But it, I, I just want to know if you switch off your your bed light um, like this and not like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I must be quite honest. Um, you, you, sometimes you know where you are, you know, where you are. but when when you when in the cockpit, quite rightfully so, um, mm-hmm. you know where the switches are. And um, uh, I was always uh, also said to the guys, is listen, when you put a, if you blindfold yourself, you got to be mm-hmm. sitting sort of table in the cockpit and touch the button that you want to touch. Mm-hmm. That helps quite a bit because the aircraft is quite um, uh, quite an automation." Um, management skill that you actually got to have apart from the fact that you've got to be able to fly it but it's also a management uh, tool that you've got to be able to manage the manage the um, automation of the aircraft as well yeah, um, yeah and that we find sometimes when the guys get out of the the contract market and they do come back uh get into the airline environment they sometimes do struggle with that a bit unless they've flown a type of aeroplane which is very similar to to the automation that we have in the aircraft, we have at the present, but. Yeah, um,
1: so you're saying now about your students and that you do also training and so on, but are there a lot of young pilots coming up in South Africa now, you know, with, with all the, uh, the drawbacks that you have with all the airlines and so on?
0: Yeah, no, there they, they are definitely young guys coming through the system at the moment as well. We've been very fortunate in the sense that one or two of the airline actually closed their doors as well. And uh, some of the other airlines were, were in a situation where they can actually have taken these people off, uh, onto their fleet as well, which, was, which is super. And I think in any pilot's environment or any pilot as a career pilot, um, faces this issue where the company has been closed down. So, even with Airlink as well, uh, they, they, they managed to call some of the guys back into the system, um, to, to alleviate the, 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 the shortage that we, that we ended up with the crew a bit. Because obviously, um, with the smaller regional airlines, and I've been saying that all along, is that we unfortunately a school for the bigger airlines. Firstly, because we are a proper airline, we are very high-disciplined with our training and the and the, air, and the and the crew are very high standards that they're operating on as well. So the, the bigger airlines are very lucky to pull some of our guys. It's not for airing very lucky, but it's, uh, they are very lucky because they get a proper trained um, pilot or crew member that's got high standards. And uh, unfortunately, we have to recruit from the bottom again to get the guys going up and running again. And uh, sometimes that's that. What happens is that there's a tendency for your captain's level of experience is starting to go down because the guys are retiring; they're moving on to bigger airlines, the captain side. And then you have the guys coming from the bottom there, um, either from other airlines uh, or from um, their own uh, um, flying experience that they have on contract. But the fact is, those guys still got go to go the, through the training system. They got to go through a certain period of time before they can actually come become captains in the sense is that um, the experience level tells a, a quite a bit as well. and. Um, we, we we've been fortunate to to get some of the uh, overflow from Kami, for, for, for argument's sake that also closed doors unfortunately, so we've had some of those guys that previously was actually in fact with uh, Airlink and they they were called they were called back to Airlink. Which okay. was lovely, and then a lot of those guys has also been called up with other airlines in South Africa that is operating the same type of aeroplane, mm-hmm. which obviously makes it more beneficial for them because the the person has already got that aircraft on his license. Oh yeah, and then yeah. Then you get onto the same aircraft just at another company as well. So mm-hmm. the good part was out of that is the fact is that um, a lot of those pilots was absorbed. On the existing airline structures that we have in South Africa at the moment, which is very fortunate, because um, I can just imagine that um, if somebody, if you get in the middle of your career and all of a sudden the company closes, and you you, now you're going to make a career change, never mind, stop flying yeah
1: Um, um, yeah but this is what i want to ask you now is is because it's this it's a career that's really uh born from passion you know from the passion of aviation um is this something very difficult for a pilot to then go to change careers um or is it something that you always have at the back of your mind
0: it's it, it 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 is a mindset, make no mistake about it. It's it's a, it's. A, a, I'll take myself um, how I felt just to find out that i got to retire, not even stop flying. I can still fly, I still had a license. But uh, to get in the situation where either you lost your medical or you got to make a career change, it's a bit of a blow for somebody who's got a passion in aviation, make no mistake about it. And it's quite a mindset, I would think, if, if I take myself, the mindset that I had, to accept the fact is that I have now retired, I'm not going to be flying an airline aircraft ever again. It's, it's, it's quite a mindset that you're got to work through yourself eventually to get to a position and say, listen, okay, fine, I've got to accept that now. I've got to accept that now. And that's why I said to you, you know, when I got the call and said, listen, can you come back? My goodness. That was something out of this world. To be quite honest with you, that was really something. So we, uh, the mindset with any pilot with a with a passion of aviation, mm-hmm. and once again, you know, it's, it's always that. I've had friends that unfortunately lost their medical also, mm-hmm. but once again, it's a it's it's the way you adapt life at that stage where you've got to make certain decisions, especially when you have to make a when you are forced uh, to do mm-hmm. a career change. Um, and then make the best of that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, with, I, uh, yeah mindset, I promise you.
1: Yeah. Now, I can just imagine. And, and also, because of all the years and, um, you know, the, everything that you have to put in, that you then suddenly have to make this change and this mindset change as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of effort, a lot of work that goes into it as well, um, with regard to that. And, uh, and now, all of a sudden, it comes to it a, an abrupt halt. Yeah. Um, that's that. That that's not nice. It's not a nice feeling whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I was actually in a position where I was, um, that I renewed my last in the beginning of this year. That was a quite costly exercise because I had to do my instrument rating. Um, on a flight similar that I had to, to uh, rent and if, uh, I'm a testing officer to be tested, I still had to do my flight medical. And then I thought to myself, you know, if that becomes that expensive and I don't have a way of utilizing my license to gain income again, then I might yeah. as well just let go. So I thought, well, okay, I'll keep it going for this year and then call it quits. And uh, then this opportunity with Ellington, which was very fortunate. So, uh, But yeah. the decision I've made now to make this mindset a lot easier that once the contract has come to an end, um, I think I'll probably hang up hang up the, the, the wings and say, I've done my part. I've had an opportunity to go back in aviation, especially in the airlines, which is very fortunate. Um, but uh, thereafter, I'll probably hang up the wings and say, okay, fine. This, this mm. is time now to settle down. And put the wings away and get the caravan out. Oh okay. <laughs>
1: yeah! <laughs> but um, but you said in, uh, previously that you you don't feel like flying the small aircraft anymore.
0: Yeah, oh, um, uh, it's, it's, it's not that. I, uh, it's uh, it's just the. As from the start, when you start with the BPL, and every time you do an upgrade to a newer aeroplane or a more sophisticated aeroplane, now to actually go back to that, I am um, not. I don't want to sit there with a piston aeroplane anymore. I just don't feel like it. It's just the yeah. personal choice that I have, not a specific reason why I don't want to go there. I always joke the fact is that it doesn't have two engines and switches on the roof. But yeah. it's just its, it's just a cover-up to say, listen, um, you can fly it. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do your theory for your students. You can yeah. fly it. Other than that, not particularly that um, uh, I still long to go fly them again because that is actually aviation. That is actually mm-hmm. physically fly the aeroplane because yeah. you still got to maneuver the thing with the control columns, you still got to wake up your feet with the rudder pedals, and you still got to maneuver the engine parameters and all that. That's basically still flying that you that you go to. And uh, with the aircraft nowadays that gets so sophisticated, even though being small, the instrumentation that they have is what they call now glass cockpit in, compared to the analog uh, mm-hmm. instrumentation that they have. Uh, it is actually very nice. So sometimes so... <laughs> I'll, I'll probably grab some courage somewhere along the line to go fly them again before mm. I really hang up the wings. But at the moment, um, I don't have a longing to do that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm more, I like the advanced, uh, instruction, uh, and especially the theory side. And, um, I must actually mentioned what a learning curve coming from a military background and then also in the airline with the discipline. All of a sudden, getting back into general aviation and I could go back and say to the student, "Listen, do you know why the airplane flies? How? What is it? What, how does it fly?" And then yeah. go back to the theory, trying to explain to him how to fly the airplane again. Um, yeah. it, it was so nice to actually get back in that in that mode again. But mm-hmm. uh, for the time being, is that if I have a chance and uh, I can put my backside into a small aeroplane again, I probably would do that. Okay, yeah. I probably would. Have... But
1: I spoke to uh, Colonel Tony Smith um, um, in in Pretoria, and um, he, he's been flying also, and I think he's almost 80 now, or he's in his 80s now, and he's still flying. So I didn't know that... That you can fly, but but like you said now, that if your medical allows, then you can yeah. probably fly.
0: Yeah, if you if you if you keep yeah. your medical going, then you fly. I think my instructor, um, I've called him Wil um, de He 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 was actually my saving grace at the time that I did my private pilot license. But he was still eighty, and I think he was at eighty already, and still giving instruction. Really. And, um, mm-hmm. Those days, I must actually tell you, I had—I was flying at the Defence Force Flying Club at those days, and uh, I couldn't land the aeroplane. I just couldn't land it. The instructor that I had just couldn't pull it through. He actually said to me at a later stage, um, "Brian, I think you better give up. You're not going to be able to fly." Very good. Yeah. Really? The and then some because every time I do a landing, I tend to fly into the ground. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, and. Uh, one a person that was with me in the Air Force at the time that I was there, he said to me, listen to yourself a favor. Just change the instructor. Go to another instructor. Mm-hmm. So I went to Emig de Toei and I said to him, listen, can I do one circuit with him just to show? Sure. And we did the first landing. I also smacked it into the tarmac. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to me, uh, Rian, where are you looking when you're landing? I said, just over here, just over the nose. He mm-hmm. says to me, no, 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 no. Look at the whole runway. And that was, in know, my problem. So, it, <laughs> but can it,
1: you imagine that you stop flying if somebody says to you, you give up, I, and you think, and it was just something like that that you had to hear from somebody else? Amazing. So that,
0: that was heartbreaking at the time that it happened. I couldn't get over it. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, you know, with my instruction at the, at the airline as well is that, the motto that I have is, listen, if we struggle with somebody who's getting to a point where he battles a bit with a flight simulator, mm-hmm. let's just train instructors and get mm-hmm. another instructor. Because the point being is, is that I might be not seeing what the other instructor might be looking at yeah. to solve the problem. And, and 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 for that reason, I'm I'm actually 200% for the fact is that if you have somebody that is struggling with the flying, change the instructors, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Because that person might not be he's got a he, 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 they've got a, a quite a passion for flying, but the problem is they the ability to do that mm-hmm. is also a problem. Mm-hmm. So you want to actually get those two together that they have the passion to fly, but you want to get them from another instructor so that they can rectify the ability or the shortcoming yeah. to put them into say, okay, fine, now you can do it. If you do it that way around, do it again. If you do it correctly, you can do it. So that's the kind of thing that you can actually have um, by by changing instructors as well to help somebody in the career with a passion. So, yeah, I nearly I nearly stopped flying when I had no allowed to go solo. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, you, and now you have twenty two thousand hours of flying.
0: Yeah,
1: it's incredible. Yeah. But it's the same, it's actually the same in, in, well, my daughter is is a ballet dancer and I remember that she had a struggle with something and uh, somebody who coached her said to her to think of it in a different way and it's completely then changed how she moved and I can 100% understand what you're saying because it's just somebody, people have different ways of explaining or or seeing the problem, you know, yeah. that's, yeah.
0: That is exactly what it yeah. is, you know, because mm-hmm. as I said, you know, the second instructor is gonna pick up something that you might not have picked up, because yeah. what happens, you do sit with a, with a student uh, for about four or five sessions, but you do yeah. not pick up the problem that he's got, and then somebody just picks it up and just, it gives him the same situation, or help him in the same way, but just from a different angle.
1: Yeah. And, that,
0: and also, just, you know, that just clicks the mindset for that person as well.
1: Yeah. And it's also sometimes if you just think of it in a different way, you know, yeah. get somebody to think of it in a
0: different yeah. way. Yeah. But the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, I said to the guys as well if ever I cannot learn from somebody something, I take my wings, I hang them up, go sit at the stoop and have a beer, and look at the sunset. Because mm-hmm. even, even the young people as well, they got something that they can give to you as a guy with twenty-two thousand hours. They have, and I've proven it so many times. And and it's it's, it's just the bottom line is that it's a learning curve that you're going to have the rest of your life. Doesn't matter how what you fly and how you fly and how long you've been flying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That that is the important part of it as well. Yeah. And the, well, with the sorry with the students i i i we normally as a captain we carry four bars
1: yeah
0: the co-pilot carries three bars mm-hmm. so um sometimes what happens i allow them when i instruct or when government flies and i say to him no 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 there's not the way to do it let's do it this way around let's, let me show you oh captain i didn't know that i said to count the bars Those four bars didn't get there for nothing. So so every time I help somebody there, they know already. They say, okay, Captain, I I counted the bars already. I counted the bars. (laughs) But then, you know, it goes vice versa. Hopefully they can walk away with flying with me, with something that they can use in their career. And then I also, uh, even with my experience, I like to learn from them as well. Even small things—it's just—it's just the just way of learning curve. And if you keep that going, I think that will keep you going uh, with a passion in aviation.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if you have that such an open mind to say I can learn from other people, you yeah. know, then of course you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, because I know if, if you if you if you don't have that open mind, um, I think you you might have a problem later stage as well because there is always somebody who's got a better idea that you that you yeah. have. Always somebody that'll have that.
1: And also, I think um, uh, I've spoken to another pilot who also mentioned that if uh, you know if uh, or, uh, about the accidents that happened where a co-pilot didn't have the uh, the um ability to speak to the captain or to or the captain didn't want to see that something was wrong and uh, a sort of hard-headedness that caused the accidents and or arrogance that caused the accidents and yeah. yeah
0: you see a bit of what happens is there's sometimes the gradient between the captain and the co-pilot uh, you've, got to have a, you've got to have a bit of a gradient there because obviously, ultimately, your captain takes the decision for the final decision on what happens as well. But he's got to be an open-minded manager as well because that is what he is basically. Apart of the fact is that he's got all the experience in the world. He's got to be open-minded to see what happens with the guy and he must allow the co-pilot... And open the doors for the co-pilot to be able to communicate with him on whatever basis, because sometimes what happens, the guy says, "I'm the captain. I carry the four bars. You shall do as you're told." Problem. That's a problem. That's it. That's something, a danger or an accident about to happen somewhere along the line, because now the guy next to you is too scared to open his mouth to to do something. And uh, that's why that's why we as, as crew normally have to do on a regular basis uh, crew management uh, CRM uh, courses as well. Just to elaborate on that, and then what we do is we go and investigate some of the accidents that has happened before. Why did it happen? What was the transcript in it? What can we learn from it as well? So the Mm -hmm. captain has got to be open-minded, but he's got to be in a manager in such a way because that is what he is. He's managing the flight. And he's got to be open-minded to be able to invite his crew in to come forward with your suggestions. Because sometimes what happens is you sit there, we're all human. That's unfortunately how it is. We're all human. And when pressure does come up, you end up with a tunnel vision. And if yes. that happens, that's the wrong side. So you've got to have uh, uh, input from the side and say, listen, captain, what about this? What about that? And if they don't do that, mm-hmm. it's, it's a disaster about to happen. You've got to be open-minded. You've got to allow the guy next to you. It doesn't matter whether you're the captain or whether he's the first officer with one strike. It doesn't matter. He's still a human being. He's also been taught to fly. He's also been taught to, uh, to fly the aeroplane. So he's also got the systems going there. And, they um, they got to talk to each other with regard to that. Otherwise, it's, 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 it's disaster. And then one again, once again, it's a situation, uh, it's, it's also an attitude, uh, problem that, that I'm the captain. Yeah. Uh, Mister, you are only the captain because you got the experience but listen show me the man- managerial skills that you have that's what I'm interested in and that goes with well, that I got really uh, open-minded with the when I give instruction and in the flight simulator for argument's sake as well is that I say we're all human we get ourselves into problems somewhere along the line because of whatever. But I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in if you can recognize the problem and you know how to get out of it. Yeah. That, for that reason, you need the two crew. And it's like you said, they've got to be able to talk to each other with regard to that to solve the problem and get the better option out of whatever situation they have. That's why we've got in the cockpit, we've got certain procedures that we've got to follow to make sure that we cover all aspects of the decision making model to say, okay, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. So, sure. yeah, it does happen. It does happen.
1: It, It's There's so much into flying a plane than just flying a plane.
0: <laughs> no, that's, there's a lot more involved, especially when you get into the airline environment and where you've got more than one crew to operate with and on a regular basis. That's why the standard operating procedures for the people to follow is so critically important because mm-hmm. if I fly, I fly maybe with 20 or 200 other pilots. But the fact is, they got to be up, up to standard with the standard operating procedures, all the calls that's going to be made, certain procedures are going to be followed, certain actions are mm-hmm. going to be followed, because that everybody knows what it is. And yeah. if they can stick to that, that basically means that um, uh, everybody is on the same level. Mm-hmm. And then you can operate the aircraft very safely as well.
1: Well, I don't think we as passengers always know what's going on you know
0: no, we <laughs> this is also we don't always tell the passengers what went wrong <laughs> i had i had a situation the other day actually i lost the quantity of my hydraulic fluid mm. on the one, on the one system and uh, to the passengers we were did a normal flight we followed the procedures we landed without any problems whatsoever and we landed engineers came out they changed the pump and aircraft uh, was up and running again. They never knew about it, so mm-hmm. we don't tell them because you know you get you get some of the passengers that's also in a position where they they are scared the flying, and you yeah. don't want to, and you don't want to scare them even more with things like that. If it mm-hmm. really becomes a, a, a issue where it involves the passengers that they we got to we got to skid off the runway or anything like that, or where there's fire or whatever, then it's time to involve them. But yeah. unless you let yourself, don't involve them, really, it's, it's it's not really necessary. If you have to divert, then you'll have to inform them because there's a reason why you divert to another airfield. Then you have to inform them, but also do it in such a way um, that it puts them at ease as well. And one of the mm-hmm. things is that if the captain speaks to them, you can imagine yourself when he gets onto the PA, to the passengers, mm-hmm. and uh, his voice is calm, he speaks constructively, And he explains it very nicely on layman's term for the passenger to understand what the problem is and what is to follow, what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. It puts them at ease and you keep them informed as the flight progresses. And that puts them at ease as well. So that's also, that's why I say your captain has always got to be, not just a captain with a four bars, Mm -hmm. he's got to be a manager and a proper manager working with people as well.
1: Well, Ariane, next time I fly, when I go out the plane and I see the captain standing there with a smile on his face, I'm going to wonder if the hydraulics was working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it will. I'm quite honest with you that, uh, that one thing that is very, uh, very pleasing is the fact is that uh, the engineering system that we have is very, very competent. And unfortunately, aircraft has, has got engines, like a car has got an engine. It's mechanical stuff. Something can go wrong, but yeah. the good part is is that we we get trained how to to operate it, to how to manage those. Province as well. So um, I can guarantee you 9.9999% that you, the hydraulics will still be in the airplane by the time you get in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but this is so wonderful to hear all the inside uh, information oh. from you. Yeah. But, oh. um, but uh, so you're flying now at the moment, you're flying um, to in South Africa.
0: Yeah. Right? I'm flying. Do you
1: do long haul flights as well?
0: No, not. Um, mm-hmm. the, the problem is with ICAO, which is the International Civil Aviation Authority, Organization, rather, is that they've got a restriction at uh, age over 65. You're not allowed to fly international as a captain. Oh, I see. Okay. You can fly as a co-pilot. Uh, so in other words, if they put a captain with me and I fly as co-pilot, then I can fly over the borderlines. But at the moment, I'm just doing domestic flying,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, that isn't just only in South Africa yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: But, but that must be amazing as well. If you think you can do one day in Cape Town and one day in Durban.
0: Yeah, I enjoy every moment. The fact is that that aeroplane can take, to take the wheels off Mother Earth and put it in the air and put it down yeah. on the side there. That actually is, is a very is, – is, it's just – I can't describe it. It's just excellent. It's just nice to have the opportunity. Um, i would say to them the age is only a number at the moment as well. But yeah. to be able to get my backside back into an airline at this yeah. stage is, is mm. wonderful. It's really wonderful.
1: And And where is your um, favorite favorite airport to land at?
0: Well, all of them because they all got their <laughs> challenges. Uh, some of them are narrow runways, some of them are short runways, some of them are big runways and more relaxed runways that you can fly into. Yeah. But then obviously you've got your instrumentation that you fly with, the instruments that you fly with as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd say each one has got their challenges as well. So, um, and the procedure that you fly, that you actually uh, do the instrument approach onto them as well. Um not a particular favourite that I have somewhere along okay. the line, mm-hmm. but it's a challenge wherever it goes to to be academically 100% correct and to be able to fly the aircraft exactly the same way.
1: Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, Rian, uh, but tell me, what are your wishes now for the future?
0: Um, That's a good question, Petra. I'd like to have the contract goes on as far as I possibly can keep our medical up. That would be very nice. That's the first choice. And then secondly, um, I probably would get into a point where I've got to slow down a bit there in the Mm -hmm. sense that um, uh, my wife and myself would like to take the caravan and go tour the country again. um, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Just have a laid bike life and look at the up in the skies and uh I see how wish other there. people fly. I'll see how the other guys are flying. And uh so I, th- I think it's just to have a bit of a laid back life and and, and carry on. We we got ex- other stuff that we um that we busy like for instance, the bowling part of it, uh getting taking up bowling again and obviously the caravanning and get mm-hmm. to see the country a bit there because the southern part or even the Western Cape is that there's so many things still to see. And even if we go up to the Kruger National Park. Park, that is one uh, tick uh, box that we saw want a tick as well. It's just mm. very expensive at the moment with the uh, with the fuel at the moment, I and, know. and mm. to pull a, car- yeah. a caravan up that distance as well, it does make a bit of an expensive mm. hobby. So mm. unfortunately, that's part uh, is still a box to be ticked. But um, laid back life and get involved with the general aviation. Um, and get the guy, new guys, up and running from what I've what I've learned over these years. So, so I think that probably would put the cherry on the cake. Yeah.
1: So um, uh, so you you are, but you're based in Cape Town.
0: Yes, I am. Yes, mm, I am. Okay. So the airline, basically, they uh, either they pack us up to Joburg and fly there. And then come back again or otherwise we do one of the routes uh, that actually ends up in Joburg. Then we do night stop there and then we take the route in reverse and then uh, night uh, uh, stop backing back in, and then at home again. Oh, oh
1: okay. So. Oh, but that's wonderful. Well, but you're, you're Cape Town. I mean, this is, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful city and you're close oh. to the sea. And uh, so already you have a wonderful environment to live in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm. I wouldn't change this. I was fortunate um, uh, when Eling started in Cape Town in 1999. Uh, we were two crew that actually started their base in, uh, in Cape Town, so I've been in Cape Town based ever since. So I'm very fortunate with regard to that. So I yeah. said they won't get me back in Joburg. I'll go flying Joburg. I don't mind going up and out there, but uh, mm. you're not going to move me back to Joburg, yeah. Out.
1: No, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. No. but um. Rian, I just have one more question for you, and that is uh, if, ask if you can do a shout-out for your favourite restaurant or coffee shop. It doesn't have to be Cape Town because you're going all over the world, but but do you have a favourite place to go?
0: Uh, the one that we like to go to is Mug & Beans. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Mug & Beans is our favourite, uh, especially with the coffee side of it. Yeah. Of course you can you can have coffee until it comes out of your ears and it's always nice every time the second cup, the third cup is always the same it's always nice. So that mm-hmm. that and bean is our most uh, common place that we and especially when we're out in the caravaning and stuff like that we'll mm-hmm. probably look at that because uh, that is a place that is um, our first choice. Mm-hmm.
1: I know that's a, that's a genius idea to have uh, to be able to top up your coffee as much as you like.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's a lovely
1: part of it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Rian, thank you so much for your time.
0: No, you're more than welcome.
1: Yeah, it was such a lovely conversation about flying and f- about aviation and your time in aviation. And it's so interesting. And I wish for you many uh, thousands of still hours going.
0: Thanks. You're <laughs> Tell that to my boss because that—that's how long he's going to keep me there. Let's but it would be wish. nice. <laughs> Let's
1: put the wish out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll send him. I'll send him the clip and just say to him, "Listen, I just take note of the last part <laughs> here that we he yeah, discussed about. Was... But I know it was nice. It's, it's always nice to share something with somebody else out there as well, and and if they can get gain something from it as well, I think that's uh, then then uh, then my purpose has been served. That's yeah. the important. Part of it and, and uh, being in, in, in aviation so long for 45 years now mm-hmm. it, it is it is if i can give something to somebody else mm-hmm. that is my god mm-hmm. then i can do it by all means But other than that, I'm still enjoying it as much as he doesn't Whatever I give them, I enjoy it more.
1: (laughs) That's amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.